Hey, what's up, guys? On this episode of Drugs and Stuff, Dave and I hang out with Richard Foster of Strom Sports Nutrition. We get a tour of his business, we take a look at his gym, and we talk about the state of nutritional supplements right now. But before that, we have a ton of listener questions. You guys loaded us up from the last episode. GH releasing peptides versus the real deal, which is better. Fixing your cholesterol on TRT. Masteron on a cruise. Super high dose primo. Like, 800 milligrams or more. Is there going to be magic up there? Anivar versus Winstrel, which is more anabolic in the real world. Plus, we talk about the prices of steroids in prison. If you guys enjoy this content, then do me a favor, hit the like button, comment below with your questions for the next show. Plus, just comments help to boost us in the algorithm. And listen, if you haven't subscribed yet, we have several bodybuilding podcasts coming out each week. We'd love to have you along for all of them. All right, guys, it's time for some drugs and stuff. Dave is uh, working potentially on a case. Uh, as you guys know, Dave's an expert witness, and we are going to talk about the price of steroids in in prison, which is very different than street value. Um, first of all, Dave, for anybody who's just tuning into the show, what do you do as an expert witness? effectively you offer technical explanation so they don't expect a judge or a court to understand what drugs are what they do so if you have a i mean the big thing in the uk is if is is it supply or is it personal use that's the the most common argument we find in court cases and so obviously the prosecution present a scenario and their expert witness will say whether they feel the evidence supports that scenario. And the defense will present a scenario. And it's my job to say whether that evidence supports the argument of their scenario. So for argument's sake, if someone's, someone's been caught with 10,000 vials and said, oh, it's personal use, you're going to struggle to, 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 to in any way say that we had the 10,000 vial is acceptable as personal use. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, there are different factors that play into to things and, and different explanations. I mean, I've seen some cases with some quite high volume. Uh, I remember a professional bodybuilder uh, that the caught with quite a substantial amount, um, but they were basically, it was like a box of tests, a box of mass, a box of this, a box of that. Yeah. And his defense was he's sponsored by that lab and they send it in bulk. Um, and that went, they, that, that worked. That that worked in court. They were happy with that as an explanation. Yeah, if you have um, to have a box for each compound, a separate box for each compound. Yeah, well, there were that, big. That's boxes, a lot of gear. That's a mean, lot of it gear. Was still, it, it was still a decent amount, but his whole argument was that his sponsor, because he's sponsored by this company, that, that basically if he needs, say, ten vials of test, they just send him a box of test. You know, if he needs five vials of mass, they just send him a box of mass, and that's how they do it. And then that gear is there for the year. Um, so that was his defense, uh, and, and it, they took it, they nice. accepted it. So I have no involvement in the evidence. I have no involvement in where the evidence comes from, or I have no involvement in the prosecution. I just literally say, yes, that's plausible. So they don't and give you it. like a bottle of trend and be like, Hey, we want you to take this for two weeks and let us know if it really is trend. No, nothing like that. I mean, we have forensics that tell us whether what, the gear is gear or not so i mean that does play into it to a degree sometimes 
Yeah. But uh, you know, I don't, I don't actually have much in the way of um, influence on what happens in the court in in the sense of how it goes. It's more just a case of is does that story fit? Is that story plausible with that evidence? Okay, so lay it on us. What's the scenario here? The, we, the, we basically you you found out through this situation, like the prices. You can't talk about. I know the actual case, but you did find out some interesting stuff about pricing the, the, in prison. The case is a supply case of steroids, among other things, within prison. Okay. So there's individuals involved that are getting steroids into prison. Um, and I was sent. Now, when you do jobs like that, you end up with two valuations. So you end up with a valuation from somebody like me, but you also end up with a valuation from an expert regarded in, in prisons. So obviously, because of limit limit to access and such like that, certain items are more valuable in prison than they are on the outside. So things like SIM cards and phones are very, very valuable. Obviously, drugs are very, very valuable. And so they command different prices. So I could potentially stand and value prison prices, but they generally use somebody involved within the prison service who will then say, yeah, in prison, this is worth X amount, this is worth X amount and stuff like that. Now, I haven't looked into these prices yet because basically I've only got sent the case notes and I've just put a quote in for my part of it. And so I won't actually start looking at the evidence fully until I get accepted for doing the case or not. Until you're going to actually make money, basically. Well, yeah, that makes yeah, sense. I mean, yeah. Well, without getting fucking paid, do you, at the end of the day? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I put a quote in, they say yes or no. Yeah. Uh, if they say yes, they release, they, they, I then start getting bound under certain rules and regulations and law regarding the evidence, and they release all the evidence to me, and then I start to work on it. Okay. Um, but... Um, one thing I did catch sight of was the prices they were saying a bottle of tests went for in prison. Now, I don't know if this is correct. I haven't looked at it. The only other prison job I've done in the past has been orals. It's not been injectables. So I need to look into it. But they were quoting £400 for a vial of test in prison. £400. Now, I grabbed my little handy-dandy Google calculator out here. Uh, 400 pounds is $567.70 for a vial. That's a lot. A vial. That's like a contest cycle. You know what I mean? Like, that's a lot, dude. Um, yeah, I, I think he's probably a little bit on the high side. I mean, I know stuff like Oxys can go for four or five pound, up to 10 pound a tablet in some extreme cases. Yeah. Um, so it's not beyond the realms of possibility. Um, but it does seem extremely high. Hmm. Um, I mean, it may well be. I say I haven't even started researching it yet, so I, I honestly don't know. Yeah. Um, but I, I know I was speaking to an Australian client the other day, and they were saying that they're paying what would be the equivalent of about £60, £70 for a vial of test over in Australia, um, which is probably... Well, it is. It's double and maybe a little bit more then. Um, it's of it's what about here. It's like a hundred dollars US, and yeah, that's 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 substantially more than I would say here as well. Even for like domestic sourcing, would be my guess. I don't know. I'm just guessing. So, are you? Is domestic 
manufacture more expensive than import over there, or is it cheaper? I think importing, I'm guessing, totally guessing here, that <laughs> getting it straight from China would probably, I'm guessing, be the cheapest route. But then you do have to deal with, with the getting it part. You know. Yeah, I see. I would have thought importation of that sense would potentially be more expensive, actually. Yeah, no. Because yeah. there's a higher, I mean, I know there's a higher risk element for the manufacturer to import the raws in the first place. But then once they're in, the actual sale of the product is nowhere near as risky as it would be to import the product and risk border control. Yeah, I'm going to guess that whoever sends that stuff from China isn't too concerned whether you get it or not. You know what I mean? So, no, he's not, but you are. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they're like, hey, here's the deal, you know, very cheap, but, you know, you assume all that that risk. So but It used to be the Chinese that supply the rules to the UK used to always say if it was confiscated, they'd replace it for free. Yeah, because it's probably nothing to them, you know? Well, they've stopped doing that now. Oh, as really? As far as I'm aware, yeah. From what I've... That's what labs I've spoke to. They've said they've stopped doing that now. They, they won't replace it for free anymore. Huh, no kidding. Um, so they must have been losing quite a bit in order to make that an issue. But they, they're probably making it for pence, to be fair. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's um, interesting, though. I know that if you do take this case, we, we won't be able to talk about it for a long time. But uh, no. it, it would be interesting it, it, to hear down the road uh, what ends up happening. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, there are some technical errors with what I've already looked at. Um, there's a couple of things that are incorrect, nothing to do with the pricing, but to do with how they've calculated other elements of it. So it, it could be an interesting case. Um, it's a bigger case than just the steroids. There's other things involved, and obviously I won't be involved in those elements of it because that's not my field. So uh, there are other things that have been yeah. found uh, but it seems quite widespread. It seems to be quite a, a, a large supply operation. Well, listen, uh, in in in, um, in an effort to keep us moving, uh, I want to try to cover some of the questions we got because we we got a lot of really good feedback on the last episode. We got a lot of really good questions. Uh, so we have about let's see a good handful here, and I see that Dylan Jaworkian posted one in the live feed. Before we got there, though, I wanted to share with you some feedback we got from DJV. He posted this uh, this morning about uh, about our last episode, Dave. No, it's about you. You suck. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he said the show. Yeah, but he means you. I think he means the show, Dave. No, I think he means you. But here, listen, we never promised him that it was going to be good. You know what I'm saying? We were just like, here's <laughs> we- the show. <laughs> yeah, we don't actually advertise that this shit's any good, do we? We, we weren't like, like here's, our shit. here's a good show. We just said, here's a show. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> notice that I hearted it. You notice that I... Uh... <laughs> Satisfaction is definitely not guaranteed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Listen, we do appreciate all the feedback we got. Um, we did get a question from, uh, I believe it was a, a police officer uh, over there who is getting ready to do a prep. Let me see if I can find, here it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's start with this one. She says, question for the next episode. I'm in the UK. Can a female police officer take Clen T3 in Anavar to get ready for a competition or is she breaking the law and could lose her job uh, or get tested? 
Thanks. How does that work there? Okay. So, um, police forces in reality do not allow the use of steroids and will not allow the use of, of non-prescribed prescription drugs, which is what Clen and T3 are. <sighs> um, often the police forces policies are a little bit vague uh, quite a lot of police forces don't have a very robust drug policy and as a result it's okay with the drugs that are illegal because it's covered on the fact that they're illegal um but when it comes to sort of this sort of thing they can be a bit vague and a bit misleading mm. um generally officers are prosecuted as such for usage under employment law rather than criminal law because there's no criminal law element to this mm. so normally they would face a tribunal an employment tribunal uh, and the argument would be that they have uh, conduct miss you know unbecoming to a police officer the other argument is that because the purchase of these drugs is illegal mm. they have compromised their position as a law enforcement officer because they have involved themselves with a criminal Mm. So that's the usual line they'll go down. Um, police force can drug test and do drug tests for steroids. Do they really? But, but generally, it's intel driven. Yeah. Okay. That's what I think it's like here. I have heard of situations of certain precincts in, in other states that have tested here in the U.S. Uh, but for the most part, they don't unless, like you said they had reason to believe whether it be uh you know insight that somebody gave them or maybe there was like a a, a, con a conduct issue where they had like a lot of aggression or you know something yeah. like that and they're big strong strapping dude that kind of thing i did a case some years ago now for two police officers that failed drug tests um and they were tested under suspicion due to intel uh and, and this i mean this is how bad the the general sort of operational knowledge within the police forces on steroids is the justification for testing this officer was because he had big arms but his legs were skinny so he must be using steroids hmm. yeah i know it was fucking pathetic he, he wasn't he was actually using pro hormones oh um which he openly admitted to and he, he openly surrendered the products that he was using for testing and they matched what was in his bloodstream. Um, and it was an unsuccessful tribunal because of how the policy was worded, because he bought these legitimately online from a supplement shop. Okay. Um, and the, the policy for that particular police force, which was West Yorkshire Police Force, was stated that an officer should not misuse pro-hormones. Yeah. Um, and they couldn't quantify what misuse was because he took them as directed on the label. Oh. So how was he misusing these compounds? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they 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 pushed it quite away. Uh, and then when it started going, getting a bit heavy handed and it was looking at going to court, they pulled it and, and just pulled back on everything and dropped everything against him because they knew they were going to get their ass under to him in court. Huh. OK, um, for the show. Is Winstrom more anabolic than Anivar in real life without other compounds mm. in mind? I like mm. that. Real life experience. Mm. Mm. I feel like you can grow more on Anivar, honestly. I would favor Anamar. Anamar? Anamar? 
Uh, Anna Var for a couple of reasons, yeah. I mean, I think Mig for Mig, you're probably right. I think it probably is more productive. Uh, the other thing is it's it's more readily tolerated. Um, so you start pushing Winstrel over 50 Mig and you're probably going to start to experience some joint issues. Um, whereas with Anna Var, you're not going to have that limiting factor. Yeah. So I thought Anavar would allow you to run a higher dose, which therefore is going to make it more effective, where Winstrel is going to limit you slightly. Uh, and I think the antiprogesterone nature of Winstrel hmm. is slightly limiting from a growth point of view. Hmm. I mean, if you were 10 days out looking for an oral, I'd probably go Winstrel over Anavar every day. But I was just going to say that. Yeah, if you were looking to get like off, dry and hard, yeah. absolutely. <clears throat> but if you're off season, then no, no, I would have said Anavar is going to give you more bang for buck as an oral only. Yes. Yeah, I'd agree completely. Let's see here. What else do we have? Um. Oh, this is that guy. Uh, the the guy whose coach told him to take like Tren, Sustanon, Probe, and EQ. He said he ended up going with uh, just Test at 375 milligrams a week, Test E. Uh, he says, I have a small question. He doesn't word it as a question. He says, next month I am planning to add Primo at 300 milligrams a week. Now, that sounds more like a statement to me, Dave. I don't know about you. Um, yes, but I'm I, have seen, I have no issue with uh, what he's proposing to do either. Has he got a new coach? That's the more important thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> it would be probably his early cycle. He might not have done any, I don't think, so... I'd say 375 think, test, 300 premium. Did he say something about it was his first cycle? I think he did, yeah, yeah. Then is that, I don't know, well, uh, I think Primo may be unnecessary. Yeah. Worst case, though, it's not a terrible thing, you know what I mean? No, no. I mean, if, if you're going to take an extra compound, it's the mildest one out there, really, isn't it? So uh, yeah, it's going to have the lowest health impacts, definitely. We had another Primo question here. Let's see if I can dig this up. Here it is. He says, uh, best bodybuilding channel, period, full stop. I told him, I was like, thank you, but we aren't the best and we're okay with that. We just, Speak we're happy for to be yourself, here. Scott. Dave is the best, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Dave is the best. Christmas cabbage is the best as well. Uh, question for the next show, if possible. I know Dave isn't the biggest fam, a fan of Prima Bolin. Uh, as far as its effectiveness, I've heard a few guys rave over Primo at really high doses, 800 milligrams to a gram per week. Is there a special response to Primo at these high doses? I'm really interested to give it a try. I wouldn't have said there's a particularly special response. I think you will get much more out of Primo the leaner you are. Yeah. If you're if you're a, a bit of a soft, chubby off seasoner, then I don't think you're going to get huge impact from Primo. But if you're quite lean, and you generally stay quite lean, I, I think Primo can be can be can be very impacting in that scenario. I would agree. Um, and yeah, I mean, you know, like anything, uh, to an extent, the more you run, the, the bigger the impact's going to be. Is there a magic happens at a gram? No, I wouldn't say particularly so, but I would say that just the overall anabolic value of the drug level you're putting in is going to have a, an impact. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's like 
test, you know, when you start going over two and a half, touching three gram of test, there is a there is a difference. It, it's but it's not that test converts to some magic compound at those sort of doses. It's just that those huge doses, things do start to change because you're taking so much. And and it's a, to, for me, it's a similar sort of situation with this. When you, yeah, here's my problem with it though. And first of all, I do want to say, guys, before you complain. Mrs. Crossland has to work too. So you hear typing in the background. You're going to have to live with it because Dave's running a business and Mrs. Crossland is running a business. So there, there's that. And second, uh, Prima Bolin, it's it's usually dosed at 100 milligrams per milliliter. I have an issue with taking 10 cc's of Primo mm. per week. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot of oil. There is, there is that element to it. That is a lot of oil. Um, yeah. And I can see... Yeah, I mean, you've obviously got much greater risks. Yeah. You've got a much higher level of injection site turnover. Yeah. And things like that. But, um, yeah, no, I mean, I, I know a few people that have run it high dose and, and had really good progress off it, but they had a very lean base to start with, and I think that's that's quite key when it comes to Primo is you need to be lean to get the most out of that compound. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I mean, would agree. People don't realize that fat cells have androgen receptors. And the fatter you are, firstly, the more you're going to tie compound up in fat cells, but also the, the quicker you are, particularly with aromatizing drugs, the more you're going to aromatize because your aromatase levels will be higher if you're fatter as well. All right. Let's see what else we have here. This is kind of a long one. Um, my question is, if a person were to pin 50 milligrams of test sip every other day, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, and then add 25 milligrams of Masteron propanate uh, per pin uh, from both of your experiences combined, would there be a harsh thing to do uh, cruising? Would that be a harsh thing to do cruising? I could drop the test to 110 milligrams uh, to get the mass P total up to 75 milligrams. I want to emphasize that I get very strong effect from Masteron. So I guess he's saying he wants to, what is he saying here, Dave? I'm kind of confused. I think what he's asking me, I mean, 50 mega sip every other day or three times a week is yeah. going to give you a total of 150. That's not particularly way out of the ballpark for a TRT dose. Yeah. Um, I mean, it would depend on where you sit on levels to fine tune it, but you're not going to be a million miles out of 150 mega test a week. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then to add 25 mega of mass to that three times a week. Um, it's going to be a little bit high for a TRT. It would depend on how long you plan to run it for. But it's not incredibly toxic, particularly. But yeah. I would, I'm not sure on the motivation as to doing it. Okay. If gonna... So I didn't read the bottom part. He says uh, it's twofold energy, insane sex drive. He gets a really good response from Mastron. Uh, he says energy. Right. Increased sex drive and function, confidence, resilience, and overall feeling of well-being cannot say enough. So I'm looking for a mental edge with a small amount of estrogen modulation. Uh, could this be done long term without wrecking his lipids? No, you're going to wreck your lipids long term. Okay. 
you're going to thicken your blood long term. It's not going to be a huge acceleration of blood thickening, but it's going to happen because you, you're pushing your antibody levels above what is normal. Yeah. Um, right. This is a difficult argument to have, but it's it's actually a very important point. I th- I feel it comes out of this. You're not supposed to be fucking happy all the time. You're not supposed to be performing brilliantly all the time. And you're not supposed to be shagging like a rabbit all the time. That is not normal. I think you're, we you're, have a natural right. ebb and flow. Yeah. And, and in this drive to create this super feeling, and as he says, you know, this motivation behind it is because it makes him feel really good. His sex drive goes through the roof. Unfortunately, that's not going to be sustained long term. And as you go further and further down the line of running at this level, you'll find that those benefits that you're currently receiving from that will diminish. Mm. So then what do you do? Do you take just more. increase the dose again? Exactly. Yeah. Do you just take more? Um, and, and that's the problem. The other thing is that when you live life in a stimulated environment, that becomes the norm. So then what? How do yeah. you go back to normal levels if you need to because after two, three years of doing this blood are getting so adulterated, you need to make a change. Are you going to be able to go back? The, this is the base of what starts to create addiction. Because mm, you always want and to the, have that good feeling and it takes and more and more. Yeah, yeah. Because that good feeling then becomes your normal. That good feeling then becomes your baseline. And, and then where do you go from there? Because then you view as returning to your pre-dosing levels has been a negative and regression when, in fact, it's not. It's just going back to where you were. But it would feel a lot worse because you'd got so used to operating on that higher level that that higher level became normal. And then it was much less significantly impacting to you. Uh, and so you're going to look for more stimulus and you're going to struggle to go backwards if you need to. So it's a it, it, in principle, there's nothing particularly wrong with what he's proposing, particularly from a dose point of view or from a health impact point of view. If you were to run that for three, four months between a cycle, I wouldn't say you would have anything particularly bad come from it, but I would still make sure you monitor your bloods and address anything that arises. But from a long-term point of view, you are starting to create a potential very large problem. I feel like Um, it almost would make sense instead of figuring out what more can I add to feel good, what else can I do to feel good with where I'm at, you know? Yeah. Like... one, th- one thing, I, for instance, I just thought of was like, we've had a lot of people talking about using boron and seeing their free test increase with, uh, you know, 12 milligrams of boron per day. What if, I mean, and, and that's in part, I think what you're going to get from Masteron is you're going to free up more testosterone. Uh, and I know that, you know, you're, you're going to get some benefits there. I would try something like that and see how that maybe makes your quality of life better, getting more out of what you're already taking. Well, there is also just uh, invest some time into improving your general well-being and mental health through non-chemical routes. Fuck that, Dave. Yeah, Who wants to do that? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> this is lame. Fuck not taking drugs. Um, but I got to I mean, reiterate it, it a point is, here. It is one of the things that we tend. Yeah, you do. <laughs> um, it is one of the things that we tend to to forget. You know. Stuff like, and I'm going to sound all hippie here, but stuff like meditation and just taking time out and, and some investment in self-worth um, 
can have a huge impact on your quality of life and your feeling and well-being. Um, I I use meditation, and I know if I start the slack on it, I, I feel it. I genuinely feel in how I feel with it. I, I feel more run down. I feel a little bit under the weather and a little bit under pressure. Where if I keep on top of it, I cope with things 10 times better. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we do live in a society where it's a pill for every ill, and, and I understand the motivation, and I've done it myself, and, and we all have. You know, we've all looked for, well, what can I take to fix this, that, or the other? But but sometimes, especially when it comes to mental health and feelings of well-being, it's more about managing what you've got um, rather than trying to mask the problem with a Band-Aid through a chemical. Yeah. Hey, what's going on, guys? Thanks for watching another podcast here at Think Big Bodybuilding Media. And thank you to our great sponsor, TrueNutrition.com, for making this all possible. TrueNutrition.com is owned by Dante Trudell, the creator of DC Training. He wanted to create a supplement company that offered high-quality third-party tested supplements at a fair price. High-quality protein powders, just about every type you could think of. Huge variety of flavors, plus health and performance supplements. Check them out, TrueNutrition.com. And hey, if you use our code ADVICES, you directly support our podcasting. Thanks, guys. Let's get back to the program. But we have a guy who has an ACL replacement scheduled in two weeks, and he's on cycle. Um, he says, guys, uh, mid-cycle, and I've been told that my right knee ACL replacement is in two weeks. Uh, I've tried, but not sure the surgeon... Uh, taking this into consideration. Uh, and then he says, NHS, any advice? What does he mean by any consideration, comma, NHS, comma, any advice? Because I know well, NHS, I think, that's your hospital system, right? Yeah, NHS National Health Service. So two weeks. I would I would assume from that that what he said is he's actually let the surgeon know he's on cycle. Yeah, that's what I mentioned to him too in the comments. Um, I would just drop to, I'd drop to TRT. Um, That's what I said too. Personally, I think a PCT is probably going to be counterproductive from a recovery point of view at this stage. Yeah. And I'd be more likely to look at a TRT. So at least you've got a slightly higher level of anabolics that's going to aid with soft tissue recovery. Um, <clears throat> and I mean the soft tissue from a point of view of the incision, the surgeon going through the muscle to get to the, um, the ACL. Obviously, there's other compounds we can look at to help with the, the repair of, of that side of things. Um, I'd be a little bit wary about PCT. Um, not that I think there's any issues with interactions in regards to what's going to happen to the surgery in a sense and, and, and doing a PC drug. I just don't think it's a particularly good time to be fucking about your hormones and trying to recover your hormones when you're probably going to be struggling a little bit mentally anyway yeah. from the restrictions that are going to be placed on you and the inability to train certain body parts and, and such like because of the surgery you've had. So I would suspect a TRT is probably the, the most well-rounded approach to that. Um, will give you some benefit and is not going to put you in a difficult position mentally at that point. Um, once your ACL is recovered, if you feel that a PCT is then an option, then fine. Um, I would be very reluctant to jump on cycle in an effort to recover lost tissue. Mm. I would be more a case of stay clean or TRT and get as much as that tissue recovered without doing a cycle, then look at a cycle. Yeah. 
Okay. Because your strength acceleration on that tendon is going to be quite rapid, and that's going to put it under a lot of stress and load very early on, where if you do a natural recovery and get as far as you can on a natural rebound post-surgery, then you're going to be in a much stronger position to hit a cycle aggressively and, and move forward productively from there. Yeah. Um, okay. So I found that question from, it was from David Norton. I guess he asked it on the previous episode and I didn't catch that. So he reiterated it here. Now I'm not sure about this number. He says cholesterol is 7.5. That's high. Okay. And he says he's wanting to get it down under five. Um, and how does lipid levels get affected with TRT? cycling he's doing like a low trt he's doing trt with low deca 100 milligrams right so total cholesterol uk numbers is five or less some some will recommend four or less um it would help if he could give us his hdl and his ldl breakdown the biggest issue really from from cycling is a reduction of hdl um, you do see a mild elevation in LDL, but it's not usually that dramatic. Usually LDL elevation is actually down to diet. That's what I was um, going to say, yeah. If, if, he's, if he's got a very heavy meat-based diet, it may just literally be that the animal fat content in his diet is too high. Um, at seven, it would suggest that his diet's a little bit dirty as well, and there's some stuff going on there that isn't particularly the cleanest. Um, but if it, if it is heavily meat-based, then I'd look at swapping out some meat for some fishes um, and get rid of the animal fat that way. You could even, I suppose, if you were really in a jam, look at sort of vegetarian oh. stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. God, Dave. I'll go, I'll go wash my mouth out. I apologize. Um, but the, the bottom line is, you know, it, it's if he's if he's if, if he's being honest and his diet's dirty, then clean it up. If his diet's relatively clean, but there's a high meat and dairy intake, then you need to reduce the fats coming from there. Yeah. Um, and that would be the main thing. Uh, but yeah, the gear is really going to impact HDL more than it's going to impact LDL. Um, so uh, it, it's it's definitely more a case of knowing the breakdown before we can give any more advice on that. Yeah, I found that my HDL has never been really high. I've always had moderately lower HDL, and being on TRT hasn't helped that at all. My total cholesterol isn't that bad. Um, I mean, I, I found for my HDL, I now I did try. We had talked about um, what's that supplement? The stuff that the the supplement that that the it's a research chem. It just oh um that that was causing cancer yeah um um i can't even remember the name of it now no i can't gw15016 yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's yeah gw50 cartering cartering thank you 501516 it uh it it did raise my cholesterol from 25 to like 30 and in a matter of uh, 12, no, excuse me, six weeks. But it also raised my liver enzymes. And you can't maintain, you don't want to continue taking Carter. Once I came off of it, it came back down. And they even say with like, like you know, you can use niacin supplementation to, to benefit the numbers. But just because you benefit that number doesn't mean that, that they say there's no changes in mortality rates when you alter those numbers 
through supplements with like niacin? The other thing you could do, and this is actually uh, Mr. Foster that, that told me about this one, is one gram of vitamin C and five grams of lysine twice a day. Okay, yeah. And that's very effective at uh, raising HDL. Most people will jump on, and, and I would start most people looking at citrus, bergamot, and krill oil. Um, but if your HDL is getting, in UK terms, getting below the 0.6, 0.5 sort of region, then you're probably going to have to go to lysine vitamin C route because the citrus is just not going to be strong enough to fix the problem. I'll try that. I'll try that and see because I'm about to do okay. labs and then uh, I'll be doing labs again after that. So, you know, about okay. six weeks later. So I'll see. That sounds good. We'll ask him. Let's ask him a little bit about that if he ever shows up. I don't know if he's is he Is he coming a lot? I don't know, man. Let me see if I have some more questions here. We've, we've got a bunch coming up in the live feed, too. Um, is it possible to microdose intramuscular injections of steroids using insulin needle? Will this change the pharmacokinetics of the steroid? Uh, and if yes, should that be done with small muscle groups or is it okay to do glutes and quads also? Thank you. It is possible to do microdosing, definitely. Um, is he going to give you any advantage? I don't think so. No, I can't see any reason being why it would. Um, you would get much more stable levels, uh, which could potentially help with side effects if you were sensitive to stuff like test flu or something of that nature. Yeah. Um, but I can't. There's, there's no mechanism for improved response. Not at all. You might find slightly lower conversion rates to estrogen and slightly higher free test rates, but I can't see that having a major real-world impact. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I don't personally see anything particularly beneficial from doing that. Yeah. I would only think, like I've seen it happen where a guy who's doing two shots a week ends up getting more side effects Sometimes hmm. you can reduce those side effects with more even dosing. But, I mean, I say in most cases, unless you had a real specific reason, just man up and take the shots, you know? Yeah, I mean, side effects would be the one thing that I would consider it for. But otherwise, I, I, I don't see any benefit from an anabolic action point of view. All right. Um, in fact, in, in certain cases, single peak doses have shown to be much more productive at creating growth. Yeah. Yeah, we've kind of mm -hmm. talked about that with orals, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Here's another one. I'm on TRT for five years now. Do I need to get off test if I want to be a dad or can I continue using test and HCG and Clomid on top? I would be very surprised if you're going to recover after five years of TRT or, or at least recover easily. Yeah. So I think you are stuck on TRT, and, and that is going to be your lot. Regards fertility, an introduction of HCG will help. An introduction of HMG would help. Both of those are going to help. Uh, HCG in particular would increase ITT, intertesticular testosterone, and that testosterone will stimulate the Leydig cells, whereas HMG directly will stimulate the Leydig cells. So both of those products are useful. HMG is pricey, um, and it's not always the easiest thing to get hold of. So 
generally for HMG, I'd advise using it around the, the fertility window for your good lady, um, rather than trying to run it long term because it does become quite cost prohibitive. Yeah. I've seen it done both ways. In the last year, mm. I've worked with three guys who have had this exact same situation. I think that um, one thing you could do is start the HCG in Clomid and then get your sperm tested. You know, you don't have to guess. You could start this up, you could get your sperm tested, see where you're at, you know, see if, if you have viable swimmers and see if there's enough of them. And if that's the case, then maybe you don't need to come off anything. I've seen doctors take every take somebody off everything and put them on HCG and Clomid. And then I've seen doctors keep them on the test dose. Um, and so far, I think I've seen better response with the guys who do come off, but it still has taken a long time. Here's an issue though. Uh, if you come off of test and you're, you, you, you're having erectile issues, you're having like a loss of interest, then you're still going to have a really hard time making a baby, you know? I've had a, a couple of cases where guys have been off and I've put them back on TRT and they've become fertile and successful once I've put them back on TRT. Were they using still like HCG at the time? They they tried PCT and they tried HCG and, and they were not successful. And then when we brought tests back in, because of the influence of tests can have on serotonin cells, it was enough to create enough sperm production in order to make them fertile. Were you still using, I guess what I'm asking though, is like, did you still have the other stuff in? Oh, like, sorry. Yes. Okay. Yes, yeah. Yeah. The yeah. I've heard so, that too. I've heard that yeah. too. So, you know, um, you've got two mechanisms for, for stimulating sperm out of serotonin cells. One is FSH, yeah. um, follicle stimulating hormone, and the other is testosterone itself which is why you see people on cycle still managing to get their partners pregnant because the um, testosterone levels are so elevated, it is still simulating serotonin production okay. or sperm production via serotonin. So uh, that's why you see people getting um, people pregnant on cycle. Uh, Richard just messaged me and said he's really sorry. He's had a swarm of customers turn up at the shop, but he's going to be ready in one minute. Son of a bitch. We it's got, unprofessional, mate. I, I've told you about having this wanker on before. But He's your friend. Listen. He's your friend, Dave. Loosely termed. Can we say associate? Well, we got through mostly all the questions, so that's kind of cool. Uh, <coughs> let me see if there's anything else. Uh, yeah, I don't know about this. This is in regards to our last conversation. Could long-term Clomid use lead to many side effects in comparison with TRT? The mm, now I can't remember if Clomid can affect vision. I know Novadex can, but I'm not sure if Clomid does. I've gotten the trails from it. Yeah, so yeah, potentially weird eye stuff. Um, because Clomid, I mean, Clomid closes or sh blocks the eastern receptors of the, the pituitary, which obviously causes an increase in FSH and LH production. That's why it's used in in PCT. Uh, but it also blocks the eastern receptors within the eyes and long term that can lower the quality of your eyesight because your eyesight is very sensitive to estrogen levels. Yeah. So, um, yes, there are some issues that could lead to it. Is it better or worse? Difficult to say, really. Okay. Because you're comparing apples and oranges there. 
I'm going to try to get through a couple here at the live feed while he gets ready to ring us. Um, if I have 60 minutes of cardio total, if I split it into two sessions, is the result of doing 60 minutes nonstop that dramatic of a difference between two sessions separate 30 and 30 or 45 and 15? Is that going to be a dramatic difference during prep? I want to jump in on this one. I wouldn't do 45 and 15. Uh, if you're doing slow steady state, 15 minutes isn't going to be enough. To you, you obviously do burn some calories just through moving, but I would consider doing 30 and 30. Uh, that would be okay. And I actually think that that could be more beneficial in some ways than doing 60 straight. Having those two windows in there can be really beneficial. Say you do it first thing in the morning fasted for 30 minutes and then another 30 minutes post-workout. I, I like that setup, and I would do that before I did 60 straight. But definitely, 45 and 15, you're not in that fat-burning zone for long enough. You're just getting warmed up at 15 minutes. That's my thought. I'm pretty much with you. The only difference is I wouldn't put 30 in post-workout. Would you just wait? Then what would you do? I'd put it somewhere else. It, it Okay, but let me ask you this. Is that going to be logistically possible for someone who has a full life to make three separate times that they're because now they're going to be doing cardio or in the morning, then they're going to train and then they're going to have to do a third workout session, their, that cardio session each day. That's a lot of time. If people are realistic, well, it's no difference in time because you're still using the same amount of cardio. It's just divided differently. But you're already there. Versus, you don't need to be at the gym to do cardio. Yeah, some people do, man. My argument is simple. Yeah. Um, there is a period of elevation of calorific burn post-cardio. There is a period of calorific burn um, acceleration post-workout. So why diminish the effects or sort of replicate the effects of the post-workout increase calorific burn when you can stick another cardio in pre-bed and then go to bed with a high rate of calorific burn and then get up in the morning and spike it again and then spike it because you've had a workout so you get three periods of uh, increased calorific burn post exercise per day okay if you can do that i would say that's great if you can make the time for that uh but the time is the same. You're just putting it in different places. I, a lot of people, though, don't have cardio equipment at home. So they end well, what up... What do you need to go? You see, you see, Scott, there's this, this thing called outside. Oh, uh, no, it doesn't exist, Dave. And, and outside you can walk. It doesn't can work the same. Walk up a hill. It does that, not the if... same. No. No. <laughs> I know what you mean. In fact, I've done all my cardio, every contest prep, I've done AM walking outside. And thankfully, I'm able to get in decent shape pretty quick or, you know, easily, I should say. It doesn't, I'm not somebody who's resistant to fat loss and it works to an extent, but I don't run. And so to get my heart rate up high enough later in the prep, I do have to go to a treadmill where I can get on an incline and, and, and run. Don't you have hills? No, dude. Detroit is flat. I can see. I don't know. I'm 20 minutes away, and if I were to look at out my window, I could see the tall buildings. I just have to look straight down one of the streets. So, do, do you, steps. I got my basement steps. 
You don't want to see me fall down, down those. You see me fall down those, Dave. You would like that. Well, maybe. No, I don't know. We deserve. Mm-hmm. I think we all deserve a Christmas cabbage T-shirt. Says Lucas. Thank you. Yes, I agree, Lucas. So if you send me the money to pay for them, I'm more than happy to provide you all with a Christmas cabbage. Let's t-shirt. see. It would look like this, Dave. Watch this. Hold on. There, look at my new Christmas cabbage t-shirt, everybody. Just move it up a bit. Higher. Higher. Wait, let me get a little bigger. Perfect. Hold on. Hold Perfect. On. There we go. Perfect. There we go. Get my beard and hair lined up. <laughs> yep. It's uh, Christmas cabbage's American cousin. We never, that never ceases to stop exciting us to see Christmas cabbage, does it? Here, look at mini cabbage. I'm gonna put him on my desk. So is he is he Christmas cabbage at that size or is he Christmas sprout? Christmas sprout. <laughs> oh, Corey had a question. Let's see, what was that? Uh, He's not getting it answered. Anyone ever have it? No, this wasn't Corey. This is Kyle. And Corey does have one though. Anyone ever have a delt injection spray out, not leak? Yes. Quads as well. Yes. You know, it's worse when the needle pops and you spray it all over the wall and everywhere and you've just got oil stains everywhere. (laughs) How about elevated MCH? Cause for concern, Dave? um, No. um, More importantly would be your RBC in relation. So when you get elevated MCH, MCH means cell hemoglobin. and, And basically what it means is the average amount, we're getting invaded by cabbages. <laughs> the average amount of hemoglobin per cell. Yeah. So if that is elevated, it doesn't necessarily mean your hemoglobin is high. It just means that your red blood cell count in relation to your hemoglobin is a little bit low. Okay. So therefore, you have more hemoglobin per cell. Um. It's not particularly concerning that everything else is in range. It would be more concerning if you had more factors out of range. But on its own as a standalone, I wouldn't be overly concerned, though. Okay, okay. Um, I'm going to say no, Nathan. What are your thoughts on IPAM CJC versus HGH for anti-aging? My wife is interested in the benefits of HGH, but scared of the sides at her age, mid forties. Well, first of all, the sides would be the same if you were to get the same blood levels, right? Yeah, but you're you sort of when you run growth hormone secretaries, you sort of create a safety factor because you can only get levels as high as your body's going to allow production to be. True. Whereas if you inject exogenously, you can get levels beyond what your body can create. So that would be the only difference as such. So in that sense, I would suppose GHSs are a slightly safer route. Safe's a bad word, I think, in this situation, because it's not exactly an overly problematic drug, really, is growth. Yeah. Uh, Unless she's going to start thinking of shoving 20 IU a farmer in, and then we could have some problems. Yeah, and I don't think she's going to do that. You know, I would no, say, no, no. <laughs> you know, here is a benefit of of a secretagogue over actual growth hormone is that uh, 
each one of these growth hormones is going to be constructed slightly differently. And it's supposed to basically look enough like your actual growth hormone that uh, it's going to, you know, uh, that, that your body reads it as growth. Now, but it is synthetic with a secretagogue. It is your actual growth. So the growth hormone mm. you do have is going to be working. Ooh, we got a call. Let's see if we can add this guy in here. We got Richard Foster here. Let's see. I got to do a little, little shuffling around. Oh. We'll add him on the right here. Hey, hey, what's up, man? Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, I'm fine. This is this is all very high tech. How you doing? Um, I'm sorry. I'm at work, so this is probably going to be not my finest appearance. That's that's okay because this is not Dave or my's finest appearance either. Every week, it's not our finest appearance. This is our show, Rich. Well, you ought to know it's a, it's a it's an accident waiting to happen ninety percent of the time. Dude, where are you? What is um, this place? I've never so, seen your shop. Oh, have you not? No, I'll show this, you. This around. is warehouse, really. <laughs> so, um, retail area with oh, it's all product. together. So we we don't get a lot of retail customers anymore. So, but you know, if people are in the area, they want to swing in and buy things. They can. I want to swing picking in picking stations. All along there, yeah, um, and then we have racking with product. Nice, and then most excitingly, <laughs> ooh, holy crap! You got a whole gym set up in there. It's not That's a gym. His gym is not a gym. Oh, what what is it? <laughs> if the gym, then the council would be very cross at me because it doesn't have planning permission to be a gym. Oh well, what is it then? It's not a gym. Oh. You don't have a name for it. It's just a place. Um, on the plans, it is staff recreation area. Show us your favorite piece of equipment that you have, and you're not a gym. I want to see this. Oh, that's easy because it's from America. Um, America. This is America, um, and it's not got a flamethrower on it <laughs> or anything like that. Um, this is an Elite FTS. Ooh. PCD posterior chain. So you've got you've got one of these. Yeah. So you do the thing, and then it's a Nordic curl on the other side. And nice. Uh, that's a very impressive bit of kit. It's very heavy, yeah. massively over-engineered, completely unnecessary. That's why I like it. Um, we're more a powerlifting kind of facility, so we've got things like Texas bars and monoliths and, What's and it, all what, of that good stuff. What are those? That leg curl and extension over there. What brand is that? I'm not familiar with those. Uh, that one or these ones? These with the red. These. So um, we had all our stuff kind of repainted for us. Oh. These are very, very old. I think they were Nautilus, but they're oh. like from the 70s. No kidding. Are they chain driven? Uh, no, no. They're they're cable. Um, in fact, okay. this one is uh, broken cable driven. We didn't officially no. inter introduce uh, him yet, but this is Strom Supplements. Everybody knows who I am. I've, well, I get it. For the one guy that's watching, you might not know. Through that guy. Um, anyway, <laughs> it's a pleasure to see you both, apart from Dave. <laughs> we were uh, we were answering listener questions, uh, all sorts of stuff about drugs and stuff. Okay. Uh, and I think we got through most of them. But, Dave, what was that thing we were talking about we were going to ask Richard uh, about? I, with uh, I don't get to see Dave very often because he's all the way up in Yorkshire. Um, we were we were wait, asking. Wait, wait, wait. Where is Dave? 
Yorkshire. Dave, see, I told you. That's how you say it. I've been telling you for weeks. Well, that's, that's where he lived. Well, Huddersfield in, in Yorkshire. No, Yorkshire. You want to be Welsh twat. <laughs> <laughs> no one calls it that. <laughs> right. Um, so. You know, every time I just get a little bit more. <laughs> what's, what's the joke? So now we it's well known that people out. from Yorkshire can't talk properly. <laughs> no. I'm sorry, Dave, I set you up on that one. Um, yeah, I bet you. You've had a conversation about this prior, haven't you? The pair of wankers that you are. We were we discussed I, off air before we started about. Yeah, shut the fuck up. Um, what supplements excite you? Coming forward, what do you see emerging that you think is going to be really interesting? Unfortunately, what I'm seeing emerge is more and more regulation. Um, right. You know, I mean, it's, I don't know if you've discussed this. It's been in the news massively today. NAC has been um, banned on Amazon and withdrawn yeah. from sale. Um, the FDA have reclassified it as a drug because it was approved as a drug in the 60s, but it wasn't used as a drug. However, now that it's found a use in COVID... They have made it in America. This doesn't affect the EU or the UK yet. Um, they've made it. They've, they've, they've reasserted themselves that it is a drug and Amazon and everyone has ceased selling it immediately, which is a shame because it's a fantastically versatile supplement. Yeah. Um, I'm seeing an awful lot of smoke and mirrors supplements come through at the moment. So there's an awful lot of stuff that, that comes out making wild claims and that has done for years and years and years. And I think we really are scraping the bottom of the barrel on that. Um, a little bit like steroids. There really isn't that much new that's truly revolutionary. Um, so that, that there's nothing really that jumps up at me. There's a few plant alkaloids that I'm looking at as, as mechanisms for, for new stimulants. Hmm. And I get most of my research by, I like to read um, old gardening book and history books and kind of look at the way it works in the EU is that if there's something that's been used herbally um, prior to 1997, then you can use that as a supplement. Hmm. Um if it was used post-1997, then it comes under something called novel food status, which means you have to prove that it's safe rather than the government has to prove that it's dangerous. Um, so I, I do look for things that were referenced as being in use prior to that. And there are a couple of things at the moment that have got my eye. Um, I can't say too much on those. Um, so, no, the thing in supplements that's really exciting me at the moment is just the move towards more transparency, hmm. more clarity, better testing, better better proof of of people buying what they think they're buying being what it says it is um i think that's really good but in terms of actual ingredients we're unfortunately losing more and more really mm. good ingredients over the time i i just there, looked there is with nac so and that the fda is trying to do that from what i understand so at this time amazon have already pulled it yeah well amazon will pull stuff like quick they 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 pull off everything like like we were sponsored by a um a nootropic company and then all of a sudden like they decided okay we're no longer going to carry like no pep and so they they basically banned the supplement company yeah, that sponsored us like boom out the gate i just looked at all-star health new, new pep so, was banned here five six years ago was it so the second they did yeah. amazon's the first one to jump on that you can still get it for now at other sites yeah. but that's your that's the direction they're going for sure so you, if the, you need it, get it. One of the things within the UK at the moment as well is the Novel Food app, which Richard was referring to, 
<clears throat> the Novel Food Act is very poorly generally enforced, and it's usually the role of um, local authority to enforce the law on that or the regulation on that. Uh, Trading Standards is the organisation that generally deals with it. There is actually a National Food Crime Agency, which is a government but currently powerless body that enforces or researches breaches of Novel Food Act and then passes them on to Trading Standards. They are in line for gaining powers, which would mean if the novel food, um, if the Food Crime Agency get power, they will have the power of investigation and enforcement of the Novel Foods Act. So I think if that happens, you will find a huge crackdown in the UK yes. on such things. But it would be predominantly to start with, they would potentially look at peptide psalms and those sort of elements rather than going straight after supplements but it will come down the line as they gain more power and more momentum dave, dave is very correct there that it's local authority so we um we have a fairly good relationship with our local authority but they know who we are where we are and they come and see us regularly mm. one of the advantages that has given us if what dave's talking about goes ahead is that everything that we stock is compliant and follows the letter of the law um there are a lot of companies that that don't and i guess if Certainly when I was younger, we, we stocked things from America that weren't compliant. I guess if you feel you can get away with it, I can understand why people would. Um, but yeah, the, the, the NAC thing is, is worrying. Although they are technically correct within the letter of the law. It was a drug before it was a supplement. Hmm. And it is synthetic. Where, uh, where are you guys at? Lucas just asked us. Where is this place? Yeah. Uh, Shrewsbury, Shropshire. Middle where? England, where everyone speaks correctly. Wales. It's not it's not Wales, is it though? It's not even close it's, to Wales. It's very close to Wales. I have to drive through Wales to get to you, so you're Welsh. No, no if you drive through Wales to get here, you're driving in the wrong place. <laughs> you're Welsh. I uh Tishara Kamraig, Kaidegeg, uh Pen Mochenmauer. What's See, that? I told you it was Welsh. What's that? I don't even know what that no. was. Uh I think that's shut your mouth. You big pig dick. <laughs> what is this? Uh, somebody. I, 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 so apparently everybody does know you, Richard, because Nick jumped on. He said, Strom in the house. Uh, Supermax joint is a lifesaver. Supermax. Support Max. Oh, you support blind Max. Wazik. Super, super Max. I think you should change <laughs> the name to Supermax because that's better. That's that's the, the upgrade from support Max. You're wearing a T-shirt about yourself. England's strongest <laughs> woman. Yeah. <laughs> what is this stuff? Do you guys have, and do you have uh, undenatured collagen in it? Uh, no, Support Max Joint. Uh, I will grab a tub. Look at that. He's at we the shop. The first company, we were the first company to use an ingredient called Hydrokirk, which is a water-soluble 90% curcumin. Um, so one of the big pros to that is it's massively bioavailable, massively more so than normal curcumin, even with bioparin. Oh. Um, the downside to that is it will stain you, your ancestors, your children, your pets, and everything that it touches. Um, but it's, uh, it's glucosamine, hydrokirk, so that the, the water-soluble curcumin, that's the real key. Cissus, uh, vitamin C and hyaluronic acid, vitamin C and hyaluronic acid together have a, have a, a really good effect on collagen synthesis, huh. and some black pepper extract. Um, I don't like collagen as a supplement. Um, I think I understand the logic that, well, you're 
your uh, cartilage is made of collagen, so taking collagen is good. Unfortunately, that process within the body doesn't really happen. So I'd rather support the mechanisms involved in collagen synthesis within the body. By all means, if someone wants to take a collagen supplement for their hair, skin, and nails, yeah. and they're happy to take 20, 30 grams of it a day, then yeah. it can be worthwhile. But at the doses you'll find in a, in a normal joint supplement, I think it's, it's close to pointless. Okay, yeah, I'm using it. Um, ever since I tore my shoulder, but I'm using like 30 grams of collagen yeah. a day. And I know that I've seen like, it's such a popular supplement now with a lot of the, like the anti-aging people, but yeah. you get it in these little tiny packages and it's like five grams, you know? Yeah, exactly. Like I, I see supplements with it at two, three grams all the time. And, and, and that's 30 grams a day. It starts to be useful. There is a peptide. Um, I can't remember the name of it, but there is a peptide you can use that increases collagen synthesis dramatically. Huh. Um, and I have seen that proposed as something that you could combine with. Okay. Um, collagen supplementation um so yeah the, the i suppose the key with that is in the dosing okay yeah 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 that makes sense um, but support max joint is our most popular product on a on a global level that goes all over the world did dave have a part in making the you guys have a liver supplement right is yeah, it a liver or kidney max. um yeah it's kind of a, an all-round on cycle support product so we were the first company in the uk to make an efficacious on cycle support product I, I met Dave years ago, and we had a few supplements out, and I had a, a rough idea of a, a product I wanted to make as an on-cycle support product, but at the time, I, no one really knew who I was, and Dave, not only, I'm going to be nice, Dave, not only had, but still has a very, very good reputation within the industry as being someone who's knowledgeable and trustworthy. This Dave? And I said to Dave, look, yeah, yeah, I know, it's shocking, <laughs> and I said to Dave, look, there's a, there's a product I want to make, and I'd really like you to kind of sign off on it. Um, and Dave uh, suggested a few changes. Um, he wanted it to have more tucker in it than it does, um, which we couldn't do and make it viable. Because at the time, on-cycle support wasn't something people did. So um, something that was moderately effective that people would actually take it was more useful than something that was massively effective. Um, but he also yeah, uh, yeah. suggested the inclusion of citrus bergamot. Uh, he increased the do dose of vacalcysteine. Um, and he insisted on seeing you know, evidence that the, the product was what it said it was. And, we... um, and Dave... We had a very important conversation around this. And, and when me and Rich first talked about this, I came with this shopping list of shit to put in this thing. Yeah, yeah. And he came out with a very important point. And the, the point was, it doesn't matter how fucking good it is if you can't get anybody to take it. Yeah. Uh, and so the, the, the whole product basis was to make a product that was effective but also fit in that market, I think we did we say less than a bottle of trend. I think was the price guiding on it. Yeah, <laughs> because otherwise people because wouldn't honestly, buy it. It's more than a bottle of trend, and, and the market has changed. And I I hate to be that guy, but I honestly think that the introduction of this product, particularly in the UK, allowed the market to change and allowed products like the supplement needs advanced health stack to exist. But at the time, if we brought out a hundred and twenty quid a month on cycle support stack it's not that we haven't got the knowledge or the know-how between us to, to do that um people simply wouldn't have spent the money on that because at the time yeah. people were taking nothing or they were taking milk thistle yeah um so to get them to spend 39 pounds a month was a stretch now the thing that really really helped um at the time on the first batch we had guys like Ant Bales, luke sandow ben chow ben chow was a huge advocate early doors um jamie johal james hollingshead so basically all the who's who of, of British bodybuilding at the time and now, yeah. um, they all bought it full retail price. Um, and several of them posted blood work after a month on it. Yeah. Um, and they all saw dramatic improvements. 
particularly because I've always proposed that this 250 milligrams of Tugka, but combined with a 1,000 milligrams of Nacalcysteine, actually has um, almost an entourage effect, massively more effective than just the Tugka on its own. And the sourcing of the Tugka is, is, is very important to me. That those guys saying what they said at the time they did very much catapulted that product into being something that um, was just became a non-negotiable. Dave, I like how he said entourage effect. Because I would yeah, say, like, I mean, you know, like a synergistic effect. I like the word. On, I'm going to work that into my vocabulary from now on because I think it sounds really good. You're welcome. Thank the, you. The, um, I mean, it was in a, there were some support supplements out there at that point. I mean, I, I think um, Rich had a couple one, on the cards. Yeah. Well, we had, but uh, I can't there remember. Was nothing that was that, American brand. The, well, there was nothing that was that complete, though. Yeah, there was nothing that, no. that was was that complete, um, and and it really I think as well the other thing was this was really especially in the UK the first time a supplement company had gone you know what we know people take steroids huh. here is a product yeah. for you because that would never been done before it had never been openly approached in that way you know no one had ever said I'm a supplement company I sell legal products but I'm going to give you a product to support you in your steroid use. And it and, opened and suppose, this whole on support market. I was a user. Um, I, I remember discussing it with my mum. My mum was saying, you can't do that. It's commercial suicide. But I think the market was just ready for it. It's also a product that we made no money on for the first few batches at mm. all. Um, I, got a, I got a question for you. I've always thought that Dave's internet was really bad because he was in England. But you look really clear. Like, you look crystal clear. Why is it different? Well, because I live in, um, I live in Shrewsbury. Which is very much civilization. Wales. Oh, and, and Dave lives in um, Yorkshire. Yeah, which is is not. Oh, okay. We did discuss nothing, that too. Yeah, nothing, right. nothing to do with the huge amount of tech nerd that he is, and the huge amount of IT kit that he's got gifted from somebody. <laughs> I'm on my phone, perched upon my desk, <laughs> leaned against the leaflet holder. <laughs> All right, my internet is shit. I'll admit that. You can come and live with me if you want. Oh, that would make like for a good no, TV show. No. That would be like a, sit a sitcom. I could cuddle you on a night and stroke <laughs> your hair. You don't cuddle. Um, I mean, I, I expect it to happen when I go horribly bankrupt and turn on Dave's doorstep with my bags. Um, I imagine that'll make for some good content. That'll be great. Yeah, that's what I plan to do, too. Uh, I just need to get the ticket, you know. And uh, I'm not telling him. I said I wanted to visit sometime uh, within the next year. And when I do, though, I'm staying. Yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. You say it, Dave's. <laughs> you got a lot of room I'm, there. Can I come train there at least? And I'm going to ring the airline and right, tell him he's carrying a bomb. Dave, have you seen Richard's calves? Yes, I have. He's got some calves on him. He has. He's also very lean in his legs full stop. It's just a genetic thing that scammy little bastard has. It's not a genetic uh, thing. I work hard. You work out three days a week if you do that. I have trained twice this month. <laughs> well, that's good for you. I'm going to train tonight as well. Oh, yeah. Maybe. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, listen, we, we ran out of questions. We're glad we were still <clears throat> recording, though, so we got a chance to catch up. We've been wanting to get Richard on the show for a long time, and I've been wanting I... to set Dave up for a long time with that, that Yorkshire joke. So I'm glad we finally got to do that. I'm uh, I'm sorry I uh, I was late. It all got a little bit hectic here, but it is great to see both of you. 
even Dave. I look forward to seeing you on Sunday, Dave. Um, what are you guys doing uh, Sunday? I'm judging so you now. The first, yeah, yeah, you are. It is the first ever FitEx bodybuilding show. So FitEx, uh, I believe Ooh. I came on the podcast and spoke about before, is the uh, the bodybuilding expo that's happening in uh, July. Yeah, yeah. Um, we, we set up the Strom Classic that was going to be at FitEx. Yeah. And uh, the Strom Classic became so popular, like, you know what, fuck it, let's just start a federation and run six bodybuilding shows. You're kidding. And the first one of those is, no, no, and the first one of those is this Sunday. It's now sold out. Holy crap. Which has blown my mind, and I'm the compare. You're the, the what? The, the man on stage. I've been to get measured for a new suit today. Oh, you're kidding me. That's going to be awesome, man. Maybe huh. I'm gonna get drunk before. Right, we do it. question. <laughs> right. Are you gonna be wearing are you gonna be wearing hiking boots with your suit? No, I'm gonna look lovely, Dave, and I'm gonna send Scott Joe's impression of you for that. Oh, you're a horrible individual. I hate you. <laughs> I gotta hear Scott, this. Scott, send me your number for WhatsApp. I've got something for you. Okay, yeah. I can't wait to get this. Is it something I can just, post on the just, show as well? Yeah, keep we've, doing I've it. Friend I'll get my revenge on both of you. It's <laughs> nothing to do with me, Dave. I'm just spreading the good Lord's word. Well, listen, uh, you said it's sold out. Does that mean that people can't go and and see it then this weekend if they don't um, already have tickets? Yeah. And for, we, you know, we've done that thing for like three months where we've said, look, if you want to come, you really need to buy tickets because of COVID. It's yeah. a little bit limited. We've only got half capacity of what we normally have. And this week, everyone's gone, why are all the tickets sold? It's like, well, you, we we've been warning you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. So the, the take-home message from that is that the next show is the Compact Classic, which is over on the East Coast. Now is the time to book tickets for that if you want to come. Nice. You guys should do it. How do they do that? Um, They go on the internet. I don't know. <laughs> we'll, we'll get a link from you later. I will put that down in the show notes so you guys can click on that. Thank you very much. If you are in the UK, go check it out. And uh, I'll have a link to Strom as well. So you guys can uh, check out Thanks Supermax, Support Max, and all the other products. <laughs> it's lovely to see you both. I'm going to go and do some work. I will see you on Sunday, Dave, and I'll catch you soon, hopefully, Scott. All right. Absolutely, man. I can't wait to visit and uh, meet you in person, brother. That was kind of fun, huh? No. That was great. No. I feel like I met a real British guy today. Well, one day I might meet a real American. <laughs> Dave, I'm as American as they come. I have two pistols sitting next to me. You're not American. What am I then? You're probably more Canadian. Yeah, I'm kind of a crossbreed. Somebody, somebody actually thought I was Canadian the other day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah you've, you've got that. that nah, yeah, definitely. Bit of an ice cube farmer thing. Man. Ooh. All right. Well, that was cool. We could get Richard on finally, huh? He's a knob. And I will, <laughs> I will enact my revenge on both of you, you assholes. All right. Well, let's get out of here. We covered a lot of ground today trying to race through our... We, dude, we would have never gotten through those questions if Richard was on time. You realize that, right? Yeah, no, it's, it's, it worked out really well at the end of the day. Bit of a yeah. long one, but not, not a bad one. We'll let Dave get back to work, guys. Check out uh, crosslands.org.uk. Reach out to Dave. Drop him some hate mail on how much the show sucks. Uh, or just comment below. Comment below. Tell us how terrible the program is. We appreciate you guys. Uh, and, of course, check out our great sponsor, truenutrition.com. Use our new code, THINK, or you can use the old code, ADVICES. That still works, too. Dave Crossland, chip, Stop chip, cheerio. Chip, chip, cheerio.
Tally ho. Yeah, that's a good one. Tally ho.